Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about why if you complain about kids these days, your memory may be to blame, whether a full moon really leads to strange behavior, and whether calculus can help us solve the mysteries of quantum mechanics with special guest Stephen Strogatz. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Do you ever shake your fist and complain about kids these days? You're not alone. It seems like pretty much every generation has thought that today's youth are a sorry bunch. For example, every generation has believed that the kids of their day were ruining the English language. But we're still producing great literature, right? So why do people grow up to think this way? Well, a new study argues that these beliefs have less to do with the kids themselves and more to do with the memory and self-image of the people who hold these opinions. A paper published last month in Science Advances looked at the opinions of more than 3,500 American adults, including their opinions about whether children are respectful, intelligent, and well-read, and their opinions of whether they themselves are respectful, intelligent, and well-read. The researchers predicted that when participants rated themselves high on one of those traits now, they would also rate young people as lower in that trait than the participant was at their age. And across the board, those who rated themselves as higher in respect, intelligence, or literacy also rated kids these days as lower in those same traits as compared to when they were children. And the researchers propose a couple of factors that drive these false beliefs. One is the fact that people who are objectively superior in a given trait tends to notice the shortcomings of others on that trait. Think about anything you're good at. You probably notice when other people make mistakes doing that thing. The researchers say that people also tend to see the past through rose-colored glasses, which are tinted by their current greatness. If you think you're greater on some quality than everyone else around you is now, you project that greatness back onto the past. That perspective naturally makes it appear that everything's gotten worse. Both of these hypotheses checked out when researchers ran further experiments. For example, some participants said they were well-read, so researchers had them take an author recognition test and then they were randomly told that they scored very well or very poorly. This changed the participants' belief in how well-read they were, and remarkably also changed their belief about how much they enjoyed reading as a child. So in comparison, kids these days didn't seem so much worse after all. The results should make us all stop and think twice the next time we find ourselves believing a stereotype about other generations. The belief probably says more about us than the people we're stereotyping. Okay, millennial. If you've ever noticed people acting strangely at night, you've probably heard someone utter the phrase, it must be a full moon. That begs the question, does a full moon really lead to strange behavior? It turns out that this belief is ancient, but it's no more true today than it was back then. This idea is technically called the lunar lunacy effect, and it goes all the way back to Aristotle. He thought that since the moon controls the ocean tides and the brain contains a lot of water, the moon must have an effect on our brains. And even modern people think that at the full moon, people go a little crazy, hospitals fill up, and children misbehave. But the fact is that this just isn't true. Decades of research have shown that full moons are entirely unrelated to any spikes in crimes, suicides, psychiatric problems, or crisis center calls. Take one study from 1982, for example. Scientists thought they could prove more car accidents happened on full moon nights. But it turned out that the period they were studying had more full moons on weekends, when more people were out driving. 
When they corrected for this, the lunar lunacy effect totally disappeared. And in 1985, scientists analyzed the data from 37 studies on the relationship between the moon and behavior and found zero effect. It just isn't a thing. The myth holds on because of something called illusory correlation. When weird things happen at the full moon, we look up to the sky and think, that must be it. But when weird things happen on other days of the month, we just think of them as strange. Basically, our expectations confirm our beliefs. For example, in one study, psychiatric nurses who believed in the lunar lunacy effect wrote more notes about their patients acting strangely during a full moon than nurses who didn't believe the full moon controlled behavior. The nurses who believed in the lunar effect just seemed to see erratic behavior that wasn't there just because they expected it to be. The moon might be powerful, but we shouldn't give it more credit than it's earned. Today's episode is sponsored by Mova Globes, rotating globes powered by light. Mova Globes use a technology that's the first of its kind with hidden magnets that provide movement. No batteries or messy cords needed. They're globes that turn when they're exposed to ambient light. I have a Mova globe by the window in my living room, and when I wake up in the morning, it's out there spinning, all on its own. And there are 40 different designs, including world maps, famous works of art, and outer space. Yeah, and even though people don't act differently when the moon is full, your friends will be pretty blown away if you've got a globe of our moon that rotates on its own. The Mova Globes team also worked directly with a member of the Cassini mission to create the design for the Titan Moon Globe. And there are other space-savvy globes, including Mars and the Vesta asteroid. And we have a special offer just for Curiosity Daily listeners. Please visit movaglobes.com curiosity and use coupon code curiosity, that's C-U-R-I-O-S-I-T-Y, for 15% off your purchase. That's right, 15% off. One more time, that's movaglobes.com slash curiosity. Code curiosity. Maybe calculus can help us understand quantum mechanics. I mean, why not? You've heard us doing a little Monday math refresher on this podcast over the last couple weeks, and popular mathematics writer and Cornell University professor Stephen Strogatz has made a pretty solid case for why calculus is so important and what it can help us do. Well, earlier this year, he published a book called Infinite Powers, how Calculus Reveals the Secrets of the Universe. And I can't think of a lot of things more secret in this universe than the secrets of the quantum world. I believe that you wrote that even in the subatomic realm where Newtonian physics break down, Newtonian calculus still works. Is calculus going to be the answer to quantum mechanics? <laughs> well, we already know that it is in some respects. So in quantum theory, the first equation that you learn when you take a course in quantum mechanics is something called Schrodinger's equation. And Schrodinger's equation helps us understand the energy levels in atoms and some of the basic problems of electronics in, you know, atomic physics. But Schrodinger's equation is written in calculus. It's, in the jargon, a partial differential equation for something that we call the wave function. But all those words aside, quantum theory, for as strange as it is from a physical standpoint, the math that's used to describe it is still this ancient Newtonian math of calculus and its outgrowth in the form of differential equations. So, yeah, that's what I meant in that sentence, that even though Newtonian physics breaks down in quantum theory, Newtonian calculus still turns out to be the perfect language to use. 
I still can't figure out entanglement, though. Can anything <laughs> explain that? <laughs> You're anyone. okay. I mean, Einstein, Einstein thought of it, and uh, he was bothered about it, too, right? That's the thing he called spooky action at a distance. Right. So you're not alone. No, entanglement is really baffling. And actually, I shouldn't oversell calculus. Just f- there, there is a reason to think that calculus will break down at a very, very small scale when um, gravity starts to be viewed as a quantum mechanical force. So there's, this is, we haven't gotten a good theory of quantum gravity yet. But when we do, there's reason to think that space and time will become so strange and fluctuating. People talk about a space-time foam like a kind of weird bubbly. It won't be smooth anymore. You, actually, you say you spoke to Sean Carroll. He probably talked about that with his emergent space-time. We think calculus will have its end somewhere down at that scale where quantum gravity starts to take over, but I wouldn't worry about it too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty far removed from our daily concerns. Sure. Okay, so calculus may not have all the answers, but until we figure out quantum gravity it'll probably be pretty helpful when it comes to solving the mysteries of the quantum world. Feel free to dive even deeper in Stephen Strogatz's newest book, Infinite Powers, How Calculus Reveals the Secrets of the Universe. You can find a link to pick it up in today's show notes, and next week you'll hear from Stephen one more time to wrap up our Monday Math miniseries. So what got us excited about today's episode? Well, every generation is complained about kids these days, and a lot of that might be because they see themselves as better now which they then extend to the past to themselves as children. I always wonder about people's origin stories where they're like, oh, I've always loved this thing that I do for a living now. And I always want to know, like, did you really? Because I don't feel like I did, but maybe I did. I don't know. You weren't always into science. I wasn't always into science, but what I do say is like, I was always a curious kid. Like, maybe I wasn't. I don't know. I was also happy to know that there is no scientific validation behind the idea that the full moon affects your behavior. Unless, of course, you're a werewolf. Of course. And it's good to know that calculus hasn't broken down just yet. So we should all just keep learning it. At least until we figure out quantum gravity. Which, come on, the clock is ticking. Let's go. Let's let's figure this gravity thing out. Yeah, I'll get right on that. Thanks. Today's first story was written by Linda Lombardi and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity.com. Script writing was by Cody Goff and Kelsey Donk. This podcast was produced and edited by Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network.